Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, as summer moves on here, you know, I mean, things are getting a little more back to normal. We got Major League Baseball playing. We do. Yeah. We got golf. I watched my first Major League Baseball game this past weekend, the Braves against the uh, Mets, mm. and uh, they tore them up 14 to 1. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. But I was almost wondering if that was as fake as the fans they had pasted into the. Yeah, I, I saw that. It's almost like cutouts, you know, of people they have put back in there. Then they got the fake fan noise, you know, yeah. the kind of background. Yeah. You know, it's going on, and I, I'm like... It's different. It's I'm like, why would yeah. they do that? It's a little bit too... It kind of... kind of. I thought that was kind of weird. I wonder you know? if they have it in the, the stadium itself. I mean, is there any noise, you know? I, know. I If not, it's got to be quiet, you know? Yeah, it'd be real quiet. Maybe they have the fake noise. I, I saw do. the fake fans. When someone hit it to the outfield, they would have <laughs> fans in the stadium. It was I was watching the Dodgers, the uh, Giants, and they okay. the colors of the fans matched the teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They but, just kind of paste, but they were just kind of pasted in yeah, there. It was kind of cut and paste. It's, it's odd. That was weird. It was a little bit, I thought that was a little bit eerie almost yeah. you know a little yeah i don't I, know i thought that detracted yeah. I, I think you just play quiet you know just to like the golf you know i mean it was watching the travelers championship last weekend and you know it was so quiet out there it was some dude on his porch on his house that could see the tournament mm-hmm. and he like whenever matt wolf teed off he like gave out this big howl <clears throat> wolf howl and you could hear it clear as day on That's the microphones hilarious. i thought it was hilarious like Never see that again. That's you know, right. at a regular yeah. tournament, you couldn't hear that. That's you know? funny. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> like, diff- different uh, environment, that's for sure. It really is. But, hey, sports are back, so we can't complain, you know. And, I mean, stock market moves on, you know, and things are things are moving on here. We got a bunch of vaccines we're going to talk about. Yeah, there's a, um Associated Press article that came out this week. And, um, you know, we've been talking about the vaccines, and uh, th- we're going to go into it. We're actually going to have our doctor hat on today. Not the money doctor, right. but the vaccine doctor hat on. Yeah, and- we're going to be like Dr. Fauci commenting on vaccines. That's right. So it's interesting, uh, some of the details and data behind the, some of these vaccines. And then, quite frankly, that's why the markets have have done relatively well, still not fully recovered yet. But uh, we're going to dive into that article and and uh, discuss kind of what, what we see on that. Yeah, that'll be really interesting because that is very, very important, obviously. And then we're going to jump into Templeton's timeless investment rules. Um, yeah, Sir John Templeton, you know, was one of the greatest investors of the nineteen of the 20th century, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, in the 1900s. And I mean, he was just and, uh, you know, it was uh, he's got he's got like these 16 investment principles that he had published. Yeah, I and like So that. we're going to jump into some of those and just talk about those because those are really applicable today in today's market. And um, I think that you're going to, you're going to, we're going to think those are really good. Yeah, no um, doubt. No doubt. No doubt. And by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 25 years of experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can certainly download them in uh, iTunes or whatever other uh, download feature you have, or you can just listen to them from your computers. makes it easy. Got uh, Prescription of the Week every week. We get some really good comments on those, so go check those out. It's at MoneyMD. 
Yeah, we got like nine years of shows out there. Yes. So, Lots know, of info. We've covered just about every topic you can imagine. And there are lists about topic there. So you can you can go through those and pick out the ones you want to listen to. And do check us out on our website. We'd love to hear from you. You can link to us there and send us your questions and we will answer those for you here on the show. Um, well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. This comes from the, uh, there was a survey done, health and retirement uh, survey, and uh, interesting um, data here. I, you know, I, we, we do know that as clients age, is particularly when they get in their 80s and 90s, they generally don't spend as much in their 60s. Right. Because uh, they're not as active and not able to travel as much. But here's the fact. The average retired couple spends about 23% less money in their sixth year of retirement compared to what they spent in their first year of retirement. That was kind of surprising to me. Yeah, that is a little surprising. I thought, you know, I mean, we have like the go-go years, which are like the first 10 years of retirement is the way we've always looked at it. Mm -hmm. And then the remaining years, you know, you tend to spend a lot less. But I didn't realize as early as the sixth year, they'd be spending almost a fourth less in yeah, the first year of retirement. Maybe they hit their bucket list early, you know? Yeah, I bet they're really spending a lot less this year. They're definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, no doubt. I mean, <laughs> where are you going to spend it, right? That's right. Yeah, I've been talking to retirees, and they're they're having a pretty lean year this year. Yeah. I mean, saving lots of money because yep, yep. can't take those big cruises and things that they planned on. But an interesting fact of the week, nonetheless. So, you know, when you're planning, you need to plan for more money early in retirement than uh, those later years. So... Great fact. And that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is the coronavirus vaccines. Um, you know, we got one already in phase three trials. Yeah, this is from uh, the Associated Press, Jacob uh, Portsky. And, um, you know, Steve, the, the world's biggest COVID-19 vaccine study got underway uh, this last Monday. Uh, the first 30,000 planned volunteers helped to uh, test the shots that were created by um, the the U.S. government and funded by the U.S. government is one of several candidates in the final stretch of the global vaccine race. And there's certainly no guarantee that the uh, the vaccine, um, uh, which was created by the National Institutes of Health and Moderna, that's the company, will we'll yeah, protect. I mean, that's why they're going through the, all the trials. But there's been success in phase one and phase two. So now they're really expanding it into phase three with 30,000 people. And so volunteers, um, there's been you know, 30,000 volunteers. They won't know if they're getting the real shot or a dummy version. And after two doses, scientists will closely track which group experiences more infections as they go out uh, about their daily routines, and especially in the areas where the virus is still spreading um, unchecked. So, yeah, I mean, this is kind of cool. Yeah, I've been following this really closely with Moderna. And, uh, yeah, they're going to give 15,000 doses to, to, you know, real doses to people. And then they're going to give, you know, 15,000 placebos to yep. people and see who gets infected. And they're going to be in areas that are, you know, like you said, highly infectious type areas. Um, but, you know, this brings me to, to what I read this morning that I mentioned to you earlier. And that is that Russia says they have a vaccine that's going to be approved in two weeks. Wow. You know, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, but they're actually doing the phase three trial, which Moderna's going through here. They're doing that while they actually have already approved it and are administering it to all the healthcare workers. So they're going yeah. to call that their phase three trial. I wonder how many people that consist of. Yeah, I do too. Probably but it's hundreds probably, of thousands. Probably a lot. Probably tens of thousands. At least I tens of thousands, yeah. I would think, healthcare workers. So it's not a bad idea. You know, they're going to look pretty smart. If I mean, it works. Yeah, I've heard it. <laughs> I've heard it said, you know, I heard somebody on uh, on Bloomberg say, yeah, this is their Spudnik moment. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to beat the world at getting the vaccine. But 
you know, taking yeah, some risk. Yeah, they're taking some risk here. You know, I mean, they're gonna, you know, these aren't volunteers; these are healthcare workers that they're administering this to. So, if there's some adverse reaction, they're gonna look pretty foolish getting, you know, a lot of the healthcare workers sick or something. So, uh, anyway, I just interject that. But yeah. yeah, unfortunately, here in the U.S., I mean, there are lots of infections right now. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Dr. Fauci recently pointed that out, you know, um, but there are several other vaccines that are, you know, made by China and, and Britain's Oxford University earlier this month that also began the final stage trials um, in Brazil and other hard hit countries. So there's a lot going on in the vaccine area. Yeah. And uh, the U.S. requires its own test of any vaccine that might be used in the country. And it has set the bar very, very high. So every month through the fall, the government funded COVID-19 Prevention Network will roll out a new study of a le- leading candidate, uh, each one with 30,000 newly recruited volunteers. And you know, the massive studies aren't just a test if the shots work. They're, they're needed to, to check each potential vaccine safety as well. And following the same study rules will let scientists eventually compare all the shots together. So, you know, one thing that's interesting, it didn't really point out in this article and we're not done with yet but you know part of the government what they're doing is they are giving money to these different vaccines and they're producing the vaccine so when one of them gets the thumbs up yeah you know Mm. they're going to have millions and hundreds of millions ready to go yeah that's right really cool with moderna yeah i think you said it was 100 million doses that they were already in production for in in the event in the hope that it's going to be you know in the the government the government has already you know, has already bought those doses. Yep. So um, it's pretty interesting, and it's a real fast. That's the warp speed, Operation Warp Speed yep. that they're yep. doing, um, which is a great thing. But, yeah, next up, though, in August, you know, the final study um, of the Oxford shot begins, um, followed by plans to test a candidate from Johnson & Johnson in September and then uh, uh, Novavax in October. And if all goes according to schedule, Pfizer plans its own 30,000-person study um, late this summer as well. So, uh, you know, that's a stunning number of people that needed to roll up their sleeves for science. But in the recent weeks, more than 150,000 people have filled out the online registry signaling their interest um, in getting in the in, in participating in these studies and that's, and getting that's positive. It is. I actually looked it up the other day, and yeah. I was actually thinking, hey, you know, if they had a study here, I might would volunteer because yeah. I mean, I would love to get the vaccine early. Well, actually, they're not doing it here. They do it at certain places. Mm-hmm. You know, and this one was down in Florida for this Moderna thirty thousand one. The company that was doing it was doing it down in Florida. Anyway, they pay you to go do it. They actually pay you had to and you had to commit like five days of your life I and mean, you had to go there for five days mm-hmm. so they could give it to you and monitor you for five days or something. Yeah. Taking um, vitals and all. Yeah. Kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you give up five days and they do pay you like, you know, twenty five hundred bucks or something. It was pretty yeah. significant. Yeah, that's cool. Well, you know, and the other thing they're talking about here is that the trials need to be multi-generational. They need to be multi-ethnic and uh, they need to reflect the diversity of the U.S. population. Um, you know, he stressed that it's especially important for certain, you know, participants uh, that have been really hit hard to have these vaccines and access to them. So, you know, the, the interesting thing, Steve, it normally takes years to create a new vaccine from scratch, but scientists are setting speed records this time around and spurred by the knowledge that vaccination is the world's best hope against the pandemic. And um, the coronavirus wasn't even known to exist before late December. And uh, vaccine makers sprang into action in early January when China actually shared the virus's 
genetic sequence. So just 65 days later in March, the uh, NIH-made vaccine was tested in people, and the first recipient uh, is now encouraging others to volunteer now. And this one lady is Jennifer uh, Holler from Seattle, told the AP, you know, we all feel helpless right now and uh, be prepared for a lot of questions from your families and friends uh, if you're going through these type of testing. But she's encouraging people to step up. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, that first stage study um, included uh, uh, Holler uh, and 44 others who showed up that revved up volunteers, you know, their immune system in ways that scientists expect to be productive with some with some minor side effects, such as, you know, a brief fever, chills, pains at the injection site. Um, early testing of other candidates have had similarly encouraging results. So, you know, so far things are going pretty well, but if everything goes right in these final studies, it'll take months for the first data to be trickle in from this test and then it'll be followed by the Oxford one. So it's not going to be as quick as some people think. Yeah. You know, governments around the world are, they're, they're trying to stockpile millions of doses of those leading candidates. So if, if, and when regulators approve one or more vaccines, immunizations can begin immediately. And, you know, but the first available doses will be rationed, presumably uh, reserved for people at the highest risk for the um, virus. So, you know, the um, uh, Dr. Stephen Hodge, who's the president of Massachusetts, Base Moderno told a House subcommittee last week that they're very optimistic. They're cautiously optimistic, but they think the vaccine will work and uh, put an end uh, to the you know the issue towards the end of the year. So until then, um, Haller, the volunteer that was vaccinated back in March, she wears a mask in public and takes the same you know distancing precautions advised for everyone while helping the shots and hoping the shots in the pipeline pans out. So you know we we obviously don't know. You know, this is all positive. There's not a vaccine yet, but, you know, I think we've said all along and just, I don't know, for me personally, I I have confidence in our healthcare community. I mean, we've had, we've had uh, viruses before. This is obviously very, very unusual, but we have resolved those issues over time. And I, I, I personally believe in 2021, we will get back to more of a normal lifestyle and there'll be vaccines that people will have and um, we can move on. Yeah, I'm very optimistic given all the attention and all the, you know, trials that are going on, all the attempts to make these vaccines that, you know, one of them is going to be very, very successful. And uh, and I think they'll get it out there very quickly. Um, having said that, I mean, we'll be probably next year. I mean, I don't think we're going to, yeah. you know, find ourselves vaccinated by Christmas. I don't <clears> think <throat> so. I mean, you're talking about like in the U.S., you know, 350 million people. Right. So, right. I mean, it's, it's going to take a while to roll out. But um, as people but, get it and start, you know, integrating and so forth. I, I was listening to the uh, CEO of Boeing and, yep. um, <clears> this morning, and he was talking about how, the demand in May spiked up when when the cases were kind of trending down. Right, that people were traveling again. Now that's slowed down a little bit. So, right as we start rolling vaccines out, people are going to get back to. And there's a lot of pent up demand. There is definitely so uh, you know, and that's what the stock market's looking at, right? Yep. The market is looking out a year out, thinking vaccine people are going to be vaccinated. We're going to be back to normal, and you know the economy will be back up, and that's why the market is. Yeah responding because it's a leading indicator and it's looking way out there um so you know this is all positive for not only us health wise but also for our finances and for the market so it's great information and it's exciting to uh, read about all these breakthroughs 
All right. Well, that's great. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah. The question is, is it um, ever too early to begin thinking about uh, estate planning, Um, you know, getting documents in place? And, you know, I I guess if you, you know, if you're in in college, maybe, and you don't have a lot of assets, um, you know, having having a will, you know, as long as you have beneficiaries, I think is is key on your accounts. But gosh, man, once you get out there and you start having a house and cars and you start accumulating assets. Dependents. Yeah. When you have kids, and for sure, that's yeah. and, important. Yeah, so it's really not never too early. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, college and, and before that, you may not need a will. But it's amazing how many people that, you know, are over past that point that right. don't have mm. wills and right. things in place. So uh, don't don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. If you're married and you have kids, by all means, you should have a will and you should have, you know, documents in place. And even then, you I mean, you, you need to set up beneficiaries on any account that you have, including after-tax accounts, joint mm-hmm. account, individual yeah. account. TOD, We POD. like to see, yeah, we like to see uh, uh, beneficiaries listed. That's called POD or TOD, as John just mentioned. Yep. So very good question of the week here. <clears throat> that leads up here to our Next topic, and that is Templeton's Timeless Investment Rules. And this comes out of an <clears throat> article from Morning Watch, excuse me, Market Watch, very quickly, very recently. Um, Laura Templeton, which is one of the descendants from John Templeton, maybe. granddaughter, right, actually wrote this. Um, so, but yeah, John, Sir John Templeton, he was the famed inva- value investor who passed away in 2008. Um, he was a banker, a fund manager, a philanthropist. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 1954, he created the Templeton Growth Fund. And he was recognized as one of the greatest investors of the 20th century. Um, sure, Sir John uh, Templeton, uh, you know, he had investment genius that, that created profound lessons and principles that are a guide in any market climate. And he published those in his 16 Rules for Investment Success. Um, some time ago. <clears throat> and in light of today's, you know, uncertain markets, um, environment that we're in, we want to highlight some of those and point those out to you that, you know, really apply during this challenging 2020 COVID market that we're in. So we're going to jump right into these, John. First one is invest for maximum real return. <clears throat> yeah, investors, they're especially prone to this mistake, you know, in the current environment of volatility and while it may feel comfortable hiding out in fixed income or, you know, investing for dividends only, um, Sir John, he paid close attention to the potential loss of your purchasing power, you know, inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, even with today's very low rate of inflation, most of the U.S. Treasury yield curve, you know, is losing money in terms of purchasing power. So in order to obtain less than, you know, 1% real return, um, you know, the value of after taxes and inflation for for, you know, bond investors today, um, treasury bond investors, they have to venture into 20 or 30 year issues. They have to go way out mm-hmm. on the yield curve to get, you know, anything above that, um, which exposes them to a lot of risk, you know, sharp losses if inflation or interest rates rise. Um, and not much better is in, in the muni bond market where, you know, issuers are facing declining sales tax, underfunded um, pensions, you know, and, and that could undermine investors' safety as well in municipal bonds. So on the corporate side, you have investment-grade debt. It's now like 50% of the issues are in the lowest BBB, triple B tranche, meaning that 
you know, that they're they're just one notch Close above yeah. junk bonds, yeah. right? And that was compared to only 7% back in 2000, 20 years ago. So, you know, that leaves bondholders vulnerable to downgrades to junk status. So, accordingly, investors looking to play it safe in bonds, they really should tread carefully now. This is really not a great time to do that. Um, you know, even the yield on stocks is more than the, the interest you can get on bonds today. So... You know, essentially, I mean, you're if you're if you're just looking for yield in bonds, you're searching for pennies and nickels on the train tracks, as Sir John would have <laughs> phrased it. Yeah. So you want to be careful today. You invest for maximum real return. Yeah, and the the second principle is invest. Uh, don't trade or speculate in trading. We see a lot of people doing this now. It's it leads to unforced errors. And first, you know, traders deprive themselves of the market's greatest gift. I mean, that's compound interest through earnings, cash flows, and dividends. And second, you know, most traders probably underestimate their comp competition, which is high-frequency algorithms, uh, artificial intelligence driven by hedge funds, and uh, pro-desk traders, to name a few. So if you wouldn't bet your life savings in a tennis match against Roger Federer, why would you bet your savings against these stock trading pros? And, and even more, research shows that traders fall short of the market return on average so it's usually a losing strategy. So invest uh, over the long time period versus trying to you know speculate. Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. Next one here is buy low. <clears throat> you know, um, yeah, <laughs> buying at the point of maximum pessimism, as Sir John put it, you know, <clears throat> is critical to investment success. You know, um, panics and bear markets are a reliable source for excess returns. So invest when the market is down. I mean, everybody wins in a bull market and, in, and the investor, you know, returns will ultimately be determined by their behavior, though, in a bear market. You know, if you're selling in a down market, you're losing in, you know, but buying when things are down usually rewards you over time. So buy low. That was his philosophy. Another one was buy value, um, not market trends or economic outlook. So owning a stream of earnings and cash flow builds wealth. So not guessing at the market moves or economic outturns, outcomes. Um, so buying good companies at reasonable price, at a reasonable price when they're down, usually rewards investors with higher returns. And this is the definition of value stocks. This is value investing. Mm -hmm. Owning a portfolio that's weighted toward these value stocks will give you a better chance at a good return over time. Um, on the other hand, if you want to avoid, you, what you want to do is avoid growth investing, you know, which is buying expensive stocks after they've already gone up dramatically. Yeah, and that, that metric is P.E. ratio. It's usually yeah, P.E. ratio. We, um, we yeah, we see, we see P.E. ratios, price to earnings in the hundreds for some companies, which is... It's ridiculous what you're seeing for large growth right now. It's yeah. getting really, really expensive. Very, very, very pricey. Uh, another one here is diversifying both stocks and bonds. Um, there's safety in numbers. And it, you know it's impossible to track all the variables and probabilities that could affect a particular business, much less a, a market um, of stocks in a given industry or even country. So uh, some level of diversification is necessary. Uh, Sir John also said the only investors who shouldn't diversify are those who are right 100% of the time. 
which is nobody. Right? <laughs> nobody. So diversification really is a great tool against long-term losses. It, it doesn't prevent short-term losses, but historically it's worked pretty well. Um, That's right. So diverse. That's right. Over time. Yep. Definitely. Yep. Yep. And don't panic. You know, I mean, selling your portfolio during a down market amounts to market timing. And if you're thinking of selling following a drop, then you've already proven that you're a timer, <laughs> according yeah. to him. So, you know, remember, focus on the long term. Try to become an investor, not a timer. You know, during the 1987 stock market crash, um, Sir John was elated. He's <laughs> claiming his purchases would make their returns for years to come. Yeah. You know, so he was buying when the market was down. So buy uh, low. Yeah, that's right. Buy low. Don't panic. Um, next was learn from your mistakes. You know, all investors make mistakes and they should be expected. You know, every investing mistake, though, should be seen as an opportunity to improve. And it's important to take the lesson and move on. You know, when people saw Sir John make an investment mistake, his demeanor never changed. He would move on to the next idea um, it was a powerful example of how to learn from your mistakes and focus on the future. And that goes for all of life. Yeah. Another one here I like is uh, begin with prayer. So Sir John used, um, used prayer in meetings, and it was an act of mindfulness, focus, and humility. And investors and executives today reflect on, on past uh, the benefits of the, uh, the, the, the daily routine. So Sir John said, if you fill your mind to capacity with thoughts that you think are good and productive, you won't have room for the bad ones. So I like that. Yeah. It's pretty good. He he also recognized that regardless of how smart, prudent, and careful you are in your investment planning, there's there is a caring God who ultimately controls the universe. So sovereign sovereignty is important there. Yeah, that's right. Begin with prayer. I like that. Um and outperforming the market is a difficult task. You know, I mean, Sir John's view was that, you know, once an investor grasps the complexity of the markets and their fellow competition, you know, it's difficult to beat savvy peers, you know, much less passive indexes that have no fear of risk and no expenses, you know. So taking these factors into account, he thought it would be better to have realistic expectations, appreciate the returns of a diversified portfolio that can deliver over time, um, and investing, you know, controlling your own behavior is much more important than trying to improve on the market's behavior. So accept the attractive returns of asset classes in the overall market over the long term and focus your efforts on controlling your own behavior. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was good. Um, next one here was an investor who has all the answers doesn't even understand all the questions. <laughs> you know, you should be suspicious of investors who claim certainty with any investment question. You know, that level of confidence and arrogance <clears throat> calls into question their credibility. Seasoned and successful investors are intellectually humble and they have no problem admitting that some answers cannot be known, you know, like predicting the market. Right. So learn to appreciate humility and straight talk when it comes to investment advice. Yeah. Another one here, which is great, is there, there is no free lunch. And uh, when you start looking at investments, uh, risk and return matter. And so we, we see people stretching for yield right now. And I've Gosh, I've had conversations with people looking for, they yeah. see products that are 6 and 7% yield. Well, there's a reason for that. They're risky and they're liquidity issues and leveraged issues and so forth. So there is no free lunch. Yeah, that's right. That's good. And don't be fearful or negative often. You know, Socrates once said, nothing is 
stable in human affairs. Therefore, avoid undue elation and prosperity or undue depression in adversity. Um, you know, based on, you know, our studies of the average investor, I mean, the investors should expect to spend approximately a third of their life in a correction or a bear market. You know, these events are to be expected over time. And, and once an investor learns how to remain optimistic and use the declines to their advantage by as buying or rebalancing opportunities, then these events will become much more palatable and even welcome. So in reality, optimists carry the day. History shows the economy, corporate profits, and the markets will eventually rise again higher than most professionals anticipate. So be optimistic and invest for that eventuality. So terrific advice from one of the investing greats of all time. Um, you know, we should keep these timeless truths in mind as we go through these ups and downs of this crazy pandemic and this election year. So I thought, thought those were good. Very yep. good. That leads up here to our last thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, make sure you have um, umbrella, uh, an umbrella policy, and um, you, you buy that through your homeowner and car um, agency. And so think about this uh, umbrella insurance as your personal liability insurance. It protects your savings and other assets. So uh, let's say you're, you, you're driving and you, um, you T-bone another car because you've run a red light. Car right. needs 50000 in repairs. Treatment of the uh, injuries is a quarter of a million, and let's say you hit an orthodontist who was making two hundred thousand a year, and so he has lost wages mm-hmm. associated with it. So you'd be on the hook for five hundred thousand dollars if you only have three hundred thousand dollars liability coverage. You're going to have to pay two hundred out of your pocket, two hundred thousand. So this umbrella policy yeah, protects you, at, right? Pr- protects. It's, normally they come in million dollar increments. It's a couple hundred bucks per year. Uh, if you own property, landlord, um, significant savings and assets. Some of the other ones I found interesting as I looked into this more, if you coach kids sports, yeah. if you host parties in your home, if you serve on a board of a nonprofit, uh, if you're a public figure. Um, so it's a good policy to have, pretty inexpensive. We we are finding quite a few people don't know if they have it, and some of them don't have it at all. Right. So I would, we would really encourage you to get an umbrella policy. Something to look look at for sure. You know, it helps protect your assets. I mean, we live in a very litigious society, and, um, you know, you can get sued for just about anything yep. nowadays. So, you know, an uh, umbrella policy, like you said, it's a personal liability policy. It's on top of all your other policies, your homeowners and other things. A homeowner's policy comes with a hundred thousand dollars of mm-hmm. personal liability protection, but an umbrella policy takes that all the way up to a million. Yeah. So very valuable policy, something to consider for just about everybody. So good prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, and you can contact us. Uh, link to us there on the website or give us a call Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725 Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 